Welcome back to The Spin Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, the home of everything indie. I'm Monty, and today we have a review of the new Eels album, The Deconstruction, and all the latest in music news making waves in the industry. But before we get into that, let's listen to a little bit of Novocaine for the Soul off Eels' first album, Beautiful Freak. And so am I You'd better give me something So I don't die That, of course, was Novocaine for the Soul by Eels. We'll be getting into the latest release later on in the episode. But first, let's get into the latest in music news that's making impact around the industry. Now, this first bit of music news we have here is the most interesting thing I've potentially ever read on this show. Besides the time we talked about Death Grips recording with the director of Shrek, But Kanye West is apparently working on a philosophy book, and I have a quote from Kanye right here. Basically, Kanye said in an interview, I've got this new concept that I've been digging into. I'm writing a philosophy book right now called Break the Simulation. He said, I've got a concept about photographs, and I'm on the fence about photographs, about human beings being obsessed with photographs, because it takes you out of the now and transports you into the past or transports you into the future. It can be used to document but a lot of it overtakes people. Now, it's times like these that I really wish James was on the show because James is a philosophy major and I could probably question him as to what philosophy or school philosophy Kanye West is being influenced by here. But this is truly one of the most, not bizarre things that Kanye has ever said, but definitely most bizarre things I've ever read on the show. And I actually might buy this because I find this incredibly interesting and I should know who's influencing Kanye here philosophically because I am in a political philosophy class right now so it sounds sort of Kantian to me I mean it's not Cartesian from what I can tell but I might get beat up on that because again I've taken maybe two psychology or not psychology philosophy courses before on to more music news from Kanye there are some albums out today that you should listen to that are fairly good. The first is Eels, The Deconstruction. We're going to be reviewing that again later on the episode. But A Place to Bury Strangers also released a new album called Pin Today. We have new music from electronic duo Mouse on Mars. It's called Dimensional People, and it's out on Thrill Jackie. We have Princess Nokia released a new mixtape on Rough Trade called A Girl Cried Red. It's apparently emo and apparently not very good, although I have not listened to this mixtape yet king tough released his first album since 2014 black moon spell he's a power pop guy i actually questioned him on a reddit ama today and he actually answered i asked him when the his coldplay collab was coming about and he said he hopes soon because he thought viva la vida was a good album but his new album is called the other and it's out on sub pop which has had a decent year this year in terms of a record label And Mr. Finger's Cerebral Hemispheres has released a new album. That's Chicago House, if you're interested in that genre. We played some house music on here earlier this year, and we need to do more. Also, John Prine released his first 
new music in 13 years, The Tree of Forgiveness. Your mom and your dad probably liked that because it's some older music he was releasing back in the 1970s and was really prolific back then. But this is completely new. We'll be talking about that. I'll be reviewing that on my blog, which you should check out as well as like the Spin Room Facebook page to stay updated with all the latest in music news and my reviews and opinions. Now, in other music news, Cardi B got an 8.7 on Pitchfork and also was lauded for her new album, Invasion of Privacy, as being one of the better rap albums this year. Now, the reason why I bring this up as music news is because I really want to dig into this. This is something that's absolutely bothered me recently. To a great extent, the amount of attention that Cardi B is getting just unanimously across the board. My philosophy is when you start seeing artists pop up on CNN for things not related to their music, i.e. Taylor Swift popping up on CNN constantly or Adele back in 2015 was popping up on CNN constantly about her baby watch. And now we have Cardi B essentially being spammed all around the Internet for the same thing, but more about her going on The Tonight Show and co-hosting it, apparently, about the whole SNL, like I said, debacle with the baby bump, and about her releasing her new album, Invasion of Privacy. I've mentioned in the past that I'm not a huge fan of Cardi B. I think the fact that Bodak Yellow got Song of the Year by Pitchfork over Kendrick Lamar's DNA was just insane on their end. And, you know, Pitchfork defended it. I asked them about it, in a, again, a Reddit AMA, because this is the only time that really fans have to interact with these musicians and with record labels and with review sites that are sort of out there like pitchfork fantano does in is quite often but i had asked them if they had picked cardi b for any reason other than the fact that they thought her music was good and essentially they gave me a lopsided answer they gave a lot of people lopsided answers but the review clearly states that they gave cardi b a sign of the year essentially because of the fact that it was socially convenient to do so. Now, this has been a concept, this whole concept of social convenience, otherwise known as, in a more negative term, virtue singling has become increasingly popular amongst fans of indie and become, has become increasingly popular in reviews. And what I mean by this is whatever is socially convenient at the time or whatever fits your so-called underground progressive narrative about music which does exist. Musicians are progressive. Most musicians aren't conservative. But when reviewers start taking that into account and start putting their own personal political biases or start thinking that they need to give better awards to people who are marginalized in society, they're totally taking music out of the context that it's intended to be taken. And Pitchfork really hyped up Bodak Yellow to be this sort of social anthem because Cardi B was an African-American female Latino dominating the charts in 2017, the year of Trump. Here's the issue with that. Bodak Yellow is not a political song. Bodak Yellow is a party banger. Bodak Yellow is... <laughs> they're prescribing something to Bodak Yellow that doesn't exist in the music itself inherently. The reason why they're giving her song of the year is based entirely on the fact that socially she stands apart which is cool I, i'm fine with that but also i hate this mentality that these review sites have taken where it has to be socially progressive it has to be different it has to be for a blunt term not white and male to be good or to get accolades and i ran the numbers on pitchfork i know i'm riding on pitchfork a lot here and i shouldn't be because pitchfork is actually quite you know equal in terms of how they rate 
but it's only when you start to look at who they're giving best new music to based on what's going on during the time or what social movements are going on at the time then you start to realize it's a bit biased and pitchfork does have a bit of a males club they've given a lot more best new music to males but that's sort of tapered off within this past year after me too to the point where they took brand new off their top 50 despite brand new getting you know an 8.3 best new music for science fiction and that was after the whole jesse lacy thing happened and i talked a little bit about that on this show earlier last season with james we reviewed the new brand new album we thought it was very good very good album but now because jesse lacy and brand new aren't seen as socially in the now for obvious reasons i'm not defending jesse lacy by any standards here but now it's okay to critically analyze them as bad just because externally outside the music something bad happened you're not taking music into account you're put you're placing for all intents and purposes aesthetics over music and that's why I think Cardi B got an 8.7. There's nothing remarkable about Invasion of Privacy. I've listened to the album in full. There's nothing remarkable about, remarkable about it whatsoever. I think Anthony Fantano had the most fair review of, you know, Invasion of Privacy. It's about a 6 out of 10. You know, Cardi has good verses. She has a decent flow going on. But in comparison with a lot of the trap rap that's coming out right now, there's nothing that different with Cardi B at all. There's nothing that sets her apart. And I know a lot of musicians are also jumping on the Cardi B train and saying, oh, she's so good. She's so fantastic. Cardi B's uh, Cardi B is a capable rapper. But again, I think the reason that this hype is happening is because it's socially convenient to do so. And you're supposed to be re- reviewing based on an objective standpoint. And by that, I mean, taste in music is subjective. But when you review music, you're supposed to take yourself out of your personal bubble and review the music as content itself and what comes secondary is those external issues of politics. You know, artists can deal with those on the head. At least in 2016 as well, Pitchfork was giving best new music to artists that were inherently political, right? Uh, Solange, A Seat at the Table, which was an okay album, got album of the year. I vehemently disagreed with it getting album of the year over Radiohead. But, you know, Pitchfork sort of had reason behind that. It was political, and Pitchfork agreed with it politically. But it wasn't like they were completely separating the context of that politicalness from the artist itself. Like it was intertwined to the point where you can make a point politically that this album is good and essential for an age of Trump. Like that makes logical sense, even though I vehemently, again, disagree with how they're assessing that album based on just fleeting politics at the time. It really showcases how a lot of these reviewers and a lot of, a lot of fans as well. There's a lot of fans out there who virtue single in their music tastes. I'm not one of them. I don't care what an artist has done. I mean, I draw some lines. I'm not going to listen to Lost Profits. But at the same time, Lost Profits aren't my taste in music. They aren't good. But there's a lot of people out there, and there's been a culture in indie recently where moral virtue is almost a currency. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter if you've atoned for your sins of your past. If it's coming up, it's coming up, and your career is essentially ruined as a musician. Now, there's people who are coming back from this and essentially saying, oh, these people deserve a second chance. Look at Matt Mondale with DuckTales. His career is completely ruined because he did really bad things. But now it's gotten to the point where, like, I've seen some people with the sentiment of, oh, he should make music again. But there's some people out there. There's a vocal minority out there, I feel. They're just like, oh, if you're accused of something and if there's legitimate proof of it, 
You should never be allowed in the industry again. That's some, that's serious. That's trash. That's an utter trash assessment to have. And I, I, I know I can be attacked for that and say you're just saying that because you're part of the problem. You're, you are taking this in the context of yourself being a white male. No, I'm taking this in the context of being a reviewer. If you're completely disregarding art and if you're completely disregarding artists and music based on the fact that they don't morally align up with what you think is right, and again, you're doing it completely wrong. And I'm not going to, I'm beating up on people for this right now because I just, I think it's asinine to do so. I'm not going to in public come up to you and say, well, that's stupid that you choose not to listen to these artists because you don't agree with the, what they've done in the past. Like, you can do that. That's your prerogative to do by far. Go ahead and do that. But you're missing out on good music. You're missing out on Gigi Allen, who was probably one of the most authentic musicians out there during his time. And he was absolutely insane. You're missing out on David Bowie in that case. David Bowie has some massive skeletons in his closet. Uh, musicians are people as well. That's what I'm essentially trying to say. Musicians are people as well. If you hold them to such a high moral standard, and if you see them as like confined to the box where musicians will never mess up, and you ostracize them when they do, and again, I'm not defending anybody for sexual assault here whatsoever. I'm, de- I'm railing against the fact that this is beginning to play a role in reviews, like objective reviews. And it's completely making reviewing not worth anything, but the author's complete political sentiments. And this isn't 100% true across the board. I think reviewers like Anthony Fantano take a fantastic stance when it comes to reviewing music like this. Anthony Fantano's political. He's very progressive. But it's not like Fantano is going out and being like, okay, because this doesn't fit my mold for what is socially good or convenient, I'm going to give this a 3.0. And that leads me to discussing the new Eels album. You're listening to The Spin Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. And I just went on a brief tirade of sorts about basically my thoughts on the state of musical reviewing and my whole opinion on Cardi B getting an 8.7. That album's not an 8.7. But at the same time, I'm going to say I vehemently disagree with how Pitchfork has handled this Eels situation as well. The album that we're reviewing today. And again, I apologize that... This is sort of an unconventional review. But anyways, we're going to be reviewing the new Eels album, The Deconstruction. So basically, Eels, if you don't know, they're a band which has been around since the mid-90s, fronted by Mr. E himself, and basically a revolving group of musicians. It's essentially like what Sparkle Horse was, except it's in a much more refined body. It's much more influenced by power pop. It's much more clean and cut, and it's depressive. It's very depressive music, but it's a bit different. And so the deconstruction came out. I've been absolutely hyped for this album. Been very excited for it because I recently got into Eels. And my personal opinion involving it is it's a very consistent album, but it's also inconsistent within that. We're gonna play the song Bone Dry for you right now to start off this review. And here it is. Here's Bone Dry. Right. 
The reason why I decided to play that song first instead of a different song, the first song on the album, is because I think Bone Dry really showcases a bit of the eclecticness that's found on this album by and large. So this album, The Deconstruction, is incredibly chamber-esque. There's a lot going behind the scenes, but not a lot to the point where it's such a prevalent thing that it's a primary genre, if that makes any sense. And we're talking about chamber pop right now, which is essentially rock music with strings. That's a broad overstatement, obviously. But Bone Dry really showcases how Mr. E is structuring these songs in a way where you have those twinkling elements, you have the strings, you have the orchestral elements of his album on the deconstruction come through, but not in a way that's just surface level. It's it's there, but it's not doing much in the way of being an important presence. And that's an okay thing on the album that's also a bad thing for me. So a lot of these songs, I feel like they're going to be transformed into granddaddy-esque songs. You know, they're going to have a lot going on. It's going to be completely orientated around this experimental design for composition. You know, you're going to have a song that's going to have these strings come in, and it's going to flow from point A to point B in a way that's very abstract and very different from a lot of what other pop musicians are doing or indie pop musicians are doing. With Eels, that's there to an extent, but it's not prevalent to the point where I feel like I'm being taken on sort of a journey with any of these songs on the deconstruction. They're just simply nice to listen to, if that makes any sense. And there are moments within the song where you're like, wow, that's a nice element that Mr. E decided to add in. I wish he did more with it, but it's there. So you get that feeling quite often. And E's voice on this album, I, I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of E's voice in general. It's a bit of David Bowie Blackstar-esque, if you listen to Bone Dry again has that grumble to it. Mr. E has always been very good at conveying emotions through his music with his lower tonal voice is sort of guttural. But it's not guttural in the sense that it feels gritty. It feels more so just a vocal example of what depression sounds like. That's a very, again, broad overstatement or over-exaggeration. But to me, that's what it seems like. So Rusty Pipes is another element on the album that I'm a really big fan of. Here's Rusty Pipes. It's another example of how E is really working with the sound on this album. And again, you can hear those strings playing in the background. Now again, you see that chamber pop element just breaking through the bottom layer of this album. And Rusty Pipes is probably my favorite song on the album. I just love the way that Mr. E presents the strings at the start. They feel a bit forced at times. They feel a bit like they were just added in, again, as a surface level element to make the song sound pretty. 
but they really do have a central focus in Rusty Pipes, and it's enjoyable to listen to. The next song that I think is interesting is The Epiphany. This is lower down in the album, the track listing. And again, this is another example of how Mr. E is really works on creating a dynamic sound within reason on this album. Here's The Epiphany. It's moments like these on the album again that I find E at his absolute best. I love the electronic doodling that's underneath those absolutely wonderful sweeping strings. That song is just so beautiful. And it's right up my alley in terms of taste. I love it when artists do this. And again, I know I criticized E earlier in this album for just placing his strings and, you know, all the chamber elements of this album sort of behind the scenes. But with this, it really works. And the issues with this album for me, because I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10, or, or mid-6 out of 10. The issues with this album for me are mostly found in A, the sequencing. The sequencing on this album just doesn't feel consistent, especially near the end when you get a bunch of songs that are sort of more raucous and sort of change their mood quicker than the other songs. The other songs are very lush. They're very strung out. You can sort of just feel the atmosphere dripping off of them. But then there's some songs where are a bit more hard and it doesn't work in the context of the album. And then there's just the fact that he has been on this course trajectory making music like this for the better part of the decade. It's just another notch in the Eels discography. It doesn't really match up with a lot of the stuff that was released beforehand. It's not sonically important to his discography. And that's a completely fine thing. But it's not the album I would go to first if I was going to listen to Eels. I'd listen to, you know, Electroshock Blues or Beautiful Freak first. And then there's other albums in the 2000s, which are absolutely fantastic. But yeah, this album is a 6 out of 10. It's not a 3 out of 10 like Pitchfork said. Uh, Pitchfork is, I think, trying to undo Mr. E's legacy in indie. And I don't get why. It feels like a vendetta. And it just, it really upsets me. So that's why I went on sort of a tirade this episode against Pitchfork. Because I feel like they're reviewing terribly now. It's gone to a atrocious degree of this terribleness and how they review or how individual reviewers review that's going to do it for us today on the spin room here on radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm today we reviewed the deconstruction by eels we gave it a six out of ten and we also talked about pitchfork and why i disagree with their reviewing style right now please check out our blog check out our facebook page and like us We'll see you again next week here on The Spin Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Thanks for tuning in.